Hello, my name is Kristen and I am obsessed with all things play-based and child-led learning. Truly obsessed. I am here to help you navigate the messy and the magical on your journey to a play-based program. It is truly magical on the other side and I want you to feel each day what I feel when I walk into my classroom. I am the homeschool mama to four. I'm the founder of a play and nature-based preschool and forest school and I am here to cheer you on. I'm ready. Are you ready? Let's get going. I am here with Kisa Marks. Her Instagram is at Kid Crew Adventures. I'm so excited to have you here to have this conversation. We've been kind of Instagram messaging back and forth. And one of the things, well, I'm not going to tell you one of the things that her and I are fired up about because we're going to start with some word association, which is one of my favorite things to do. So Kisa, are you ready? I am ready. Okay. We'll start with, we'll start with the word association and then I'll have you introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about you after we, after we get this word out of the way. Okay. The word is teacher. Lessons, <laughs> lesson plans, mm-hmm. rules, mm. instruction. Do I need to come up with more? No, but I'm <laughs> and now I'm like wanting to add some. I'm like control, love, um, control. Yes, yes. um yeah what else comes up around the word teacher for you it doesn't have to be just one word like what are you what's like what's burning up inside you about that word I think there are parameters there's so many parameters with being a teacher you you put control on the people that you're instructing but you do so because of the control from administration and they do so because of the control from the, the legislation 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 i couldn't get that word out mm-hmm. so it just goes down and it trickles down to everyone else and everyone is just like constrained under the the powers that be i guess it just comes down goes down does that make sense it does make sense yeah. and mm-hmm. I mean, like we're both advocates, advocates for play, both advocates for childhood. And Mm -hmm. what I try to tell people, because that seems daunting, right? That seems like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like we can't go up against that. But what it takes is like a whole bunch of people like you and me who just little by little teach little by little, I mean, in reality we are teachers but we don't mm-hmm. we've dropped that control and we've dropped that um I call it a teacher disguise yeah and with the title like I don't want any of that yeah so it it does seem daunting but I think yeah little by little we're creating this mm-hmm. big I mean, there's almost a shift. I feel, I feel a shift maybe starting to happen in the play-based world Mm -hmm. um, because of people who are able to be vocal and stand up for what Mm -hmm. they believe in, even when it's hard. 
because it can be yeah. hard to be in the mm-hmm. to be in the space where um the way that we do things isn't mm-hmm. mainstream yeah and you're an outlier yeah and it remains that way any type of advocacy you're an outlier, right? There are people that look at you like, why are they making that noise? Or why don't they just shut up, shut up and teach? Or, you know, like (laughs) every time you try to advocate for um, the disenfranchised, then you come up against people saying you're doing too much. So you have to be a little louder. You have to be a little more obnoxious because you won't be heard and you won't be able to help anyone. If you're, if you're not vocal about the problems that are there. Yes. So before we started recording, I was telling you a little story about a training that I had done in the United States somewhere outside of a big city. And, um, the people that I was, that were in the training were very, very, um, and maybe not all, not all, but the majority seemed to me to have this teacher disguise on where they are very, very stuck to the label of I'm a teacher and um, I teach at children. Like I'm I'm the kind of teacher that stands up in front of everybody and I, I teach at them and I fill their brains with all the information. And it was a really hard shift. And I don't know how much movement I made in that eight hour day as far as being an advocate for play because they were very, Mm -hmm. very rooted in that teacher disguise. And I mean, there's many reasons for that. Like you were saying, it comes from all of this, the structural things that are in place and the trickle down Mm -hmm. of all of that. It also Mm -hmm. comes from fear, fear that um, if you do implement a more play-based um philosophy in your program that the t- what's the teacher down the hall going to think like they're going to think that I'm just yep. letting the children run around wild and crazy or the parents want this and um doing what the parents want mm-hmm. and to me it comes down to then you're not really a teacher because yeah. you are doing what everybody else thinks you should be doing doing Mm -hmm. and uh an early childhood teacher should be doing what's best for the child and really falling under the umbrella of like what's what is brain development what is child development and like Mm -hmm. how Mm -hmm. does this fit (laughs) developmentally appropriate practice all the things that I'm doing um Mm -hmm. you had sent me a message about considering going back to school to get your PhD. Tell us more about that and like what your whole, like what your whole reflection process was on that and what, what, um, what you decision you finally came to and maybe you haven't decided yet. Yeah. So it's just like what you said, there's this dogma, right? We, we teach at children and we follow these rules because they've been in place since forever. And that's what the standard teacher does. Once you start to pick it apart and look at it through a lens of what's appropriate for the child, you start to realize there are huge flaws in doing it that way. And you hear people, I don't know about you, I'm assuming this happens to you, 
um, who will speak to you, clients or people that are just talking that you know, and they'll say, you are a teacher, almost like it's a cancer. You are a teacher. They whisper, (laughs) you're not a real educator. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't see you that way. They don't, they take for granted that we know anything that we are qualified to do what we do, that we know about children. You know about your child. We know about children. And we excel at that. Mm -hmm. And so it's like you're constantly fighting to uh, be heard and recognized as someone who's qualified in their field. And um, there's a lot when it comes to education and academic-based culture that has to do with title. Right. So I was toying with that idea because I um, frankly, I just got aggravated with the fact that people don't take place seriously and they don't understand. Someone can look you on your face and say, oh, oh, that's great. I believe in that and turn around and say, but my child still needs to go to school. (laughs) (laughs) I've heard that so many times. Mm -hmm. And it's like, are you hearing yourself? We're saying what is the best practice for children? And you're saying, but they still need to go to school and do these things that aren't the best practice for children. Yeah. And so I thought, well, maybe if you follow the the academic status-based line of thinking and you go and you uh, enter a PhD program and you get three letters behind your name and people will take you seriously. And I really, I honestly, seriously considered this. I found a school. I looked at the application process. I I tried to wrap my mind around it. How would this look for my family? How would this look for my line of work? What would I have to do? And then I thought about it. If play-based is your whole thing and learning through play is your whole thing, like why would you then say, you would contradict yourself by saying, now I need to go to school for school to prove that I know what I know. I already know what I know. Mm-hmm. You need to listen or not listen. Yeah. So <laughs> that was what I came to. And if I choose to um, enter a PhD program, it will be because I choose to, not because I want you to think I'm worthy yes. because I have a certificate. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. You need to listen or not listen. Yeah. I think that's the new motto for any early childhood (laughs) person who is a play advocate, who knows that's what's best for children. Like, we just need to just be like, you're going to listen or you're not going to listen. Yeah. And don't take up space. Don't don't sit here and undermine everything we're working to do put your child in the program, but don't, you don't believe in it. You don't believe in the philosophy. You don't, wh- why are we here? Right. So as you were speaking, two thoughts popped into my head, actually that were came as comments on Instagram under a post that I just did recently. And one of them said um, that she is in an early childhood education program right now in college. And mm-hmm. um, she's taking classes. And one of the things that one of her professors had them do was watch a video of a three-year-old reading to their parent. And she said the purpose was for us to like 
congratulate that parent on the amazing things they were doing for their three-year-old. But she's like, I know that's not developmentally appropriate. And this is what my college professor is teaching me. Like, this is what we're learning in early childhood education settings. And I know that that, that, that's not what's developmentally appropriate. So Mm -hmm. even with those letters behind a name, like you, it's not a guarantee that like, I know that, you know, that, you know, what's developmentally appropriate, but Mm -hmm. it's just so hard because it's just like anything. You're going to get the people who know and the people who don't know, you're going to get the people who are listening to the people who are not listening. And Mm -hmm. I thought that that was super interesting. And, and there are, there are college programs that are teaching about play. I know some amazing people who are in colleges teaching early childhood educators and they're doing an amazing job. Um, Mm -hmm. Then you have those ones that aren't. And I know that the program that in our community, um, I'm not really sure a hundred percent. It's like a community college and I'm not sure a hundred percent like what, what their programming is like. However, when they would come into the program that I founded and um, watch and do things, there was a lot of teacher directed activities that they're expected to produce, um, Mm -hmm. which is unfortunate. Um, Yeah. the, The other thing that I thought about was another comment somebody had made about um, early childhood educators as babysitters. Like she literally wrote that, that you're just a babysitter. And I was like, are you serious? No, (laughs) no. (laughs) Like, oh my God. Invite you to come and sit with me for one day. Right. I know I was kind of flabbergasted. So I'll probably end up Mm -hmm. doing something with that comment. But what are your, like, when you hear that, like, what do you, what are your thoughts? There. So mindset is everything. And it's why you have to really vet staff. It's why you have to really vet your incoming families because that's why we can't, there can't be a big shift yet because the mindset is a teacher instructed, teacher led, academic centered way, right? Yeah. And so you just have to be leery. And then those, there are the people who uh, belittle what you do and they think you're the babysitter. And so if you had it, if any vague, <laughs> if I had any vague idea that you were that type of person, then I wouldn't even let you come into my space. Like yeah. you don't respect the work that I do. You don't respect the children. Frankly, you don't respect the children because you don't think they're capable of learning anything. They're just sitting and playing all day. Yeah. And so I wouldn't even want you in my space. But for those who are just stuck in the dogma of, of thinking that we have to do things in a, a teacher-led, adult-led way, then you have to change their minds or, or put the seed there. Yeah. That there's a different way of thinking. And the way that I do that is if everybody looks inside, if you're just selfish, you see what you should be doing for children. 
Think about the way you would want to be treated. Think about the way you would want your your work title to be um, uh, looked at, how you would like to be respected. And then relate that to a small child. And once people start to do that, they're like, oh. <laughs> so, yeah. It's really easy to think about how you want to be treated. Yeah. And now put that on a little child. I love that. That's beautiful. Like, it's as simple as that. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. And it's as hard as that. Because it's really hard for people to shift that. It is. Um, Okay, let's talk about mindset. Because I'm, so as we're speaking about how, um, okay, early child educators, we want to be seen as more than babysitters. We want to be seen as professionals who know what we're doing. And Mm -hmm. um, we we don't have that same um, professional clout as like K-12 teachers. Mm -hmm. How do you think that we can use mindset to build confidence in our own, um, in our own situation or in our own teacherness? If that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. So what I like to do is frame it in. If you look just on social media. Yeah. It's all about, you know, healing your inner child and therapy and, and mental wellness and, and healing your past. And we wouldn't have to do all that if we started out on the right foot with children. Right. And so all of it to me is about um, doing no harm so that people don't have to fix what was done to them as small children. Mm-hmm. Mm. And and that's really the way that, that I center everything. It's like, let's try to do it as right as possible the first time. Yeah. And that's by letting them play. Yeah. By letting them be. By letting them be children. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And supporting them in that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So how, okay. So you and I kind of had a little conversation about, so like, I believe in play, but I have to let Mm -hmm. them, I have to send them to real school or I believe in, in being an advocate, but so there's these buts that hold us mm-hmm. back. How can we mm-hmm. get rid of those buts? You have to advocate and you have to be very loud. You have to be very intentional. Um, you can't mince words. Sometimes you're going to have to step on people's toes because there are people who have very fixed ideas of the way that it should be, especially when it comes to their own children. Yeah. And so in order to amplify the child's voice, you might have to tell someone they're wrong. Yeah. That's not, that's not what, <laughs> that ain't it. That's the way we would say, like, you can't. It's, it's you can't so hard. That. It's so hard because, like, so many of us are people pleasers because that's yes, part yes. of our childhood trauma. Mm-hmm. So, 
Um, I actually experienced this and it was so uncomfortable and it still makes me uncomfortable. I was speaking in front of a group of a hundred early childhood educators and I was speaking about breaking up with calendar time and all of the other things that we do that are not developmentally appropriate. So I was basically calling out all the things that we see in traditional programs that aren't developmentally appropriate as far as mm-hmm. calendar time and long circle times and making children sit a certain way and mm-hmm. um, forced apologies and forced sharing. And yeah, um, there was one woman who hadn't been in any of my other sessions, I don't believe. Otherwise, I don't think mm-hmm. she would have been so vocal, but um, she kept saying, well, I'm all for play, but the parents want. And then she would and then I would talk about being an advocate and she's like, well, I'm I'm an advocate, but and then I, I had to stop her. And I was like, here's the deal. Either you are an advocate or you aren't. Yes. And like, I got like hives on my neck after I said that because I was like, oh my God, I just like, I just verbally vomited on her because I just- But it's necessary. You either are or you aren't, lady. Mm -hmm. I was Mm -hmm. so frustrated and I did it. I mean, I feel like I did it kindly and I got Mm -hmm. some claps and some hoots and hollers after that. Um, (laughs) She probably- probably went away from that thinking this lady is crazy but you know what like I'm an advocate for children so I had to just like not mince words and Mm -hmm. stand up for the kids because she wasn't Mm -hmm. and by doing that you are forcing her to think about it even if she has to think, oh, she was a so-and-so, she has to just keep replaying that in her mind. And maybe one night it'll come to her or maybe she'll have a situation that'll make it real for her. Yeah. And she will think of you when she does that. Yeah. And I think that that's why, that's a huge reason why people aren't full advocates for children. They're like partial advocates because yeah. they, when it gets hard, they don't want to face that. And I've been there. Yeah, I've done that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now I'm kind of just at a point where I'm like, you, you're you going to listen or you're not. <laughs> you are. You are. Yeah. And, and advocacy comes kind of naturally for me. I have a twin sister and um, we grew up, uh, we went, we were in the same classroom, which I will always push. If you have twins and you're in a small school, put them in separate classes if you can, or even put them in separate schools. So we were pit against each other from a very small age mm-hmm. and young age. And it was like the good twin, the bad twin, the smart twin, the stupid twin, the, oh. the whole nine, the, you know, it was terrible. Um, mm-hmm. But what I learned to do from a very young age is advocate for my sister. And so it's always been naturally natural to me, even though I'm very reserved and very quiet. If I see something that's wrong, I speak up. And so it's just like that with the hives and I can feel it in my body, my ears burn and, you know, all these internal things going on, but I'm gonna do it anyway, because it needs to be done. So um, if anybody can find a space where like, if it's your child, you'll, you'll fight a bear for your child. Yeah. And so <laughs> yeah, you just do these things. You just have to do it scared. 
do yes you just have to do it scared i love that yeah. oh you've got some great little quotes here Please, <laughs> gold. okay we never got to what you do and like where you are in the early childhood industry like tell us about yourself well i have a small child care community in oak park illinois and um we are nature-based and play-based and it's an awesome group of kids. I call myself a master learner. We all, our thing is that we're all still learning. And the kids know it. The littlest one that we have, the baby, um, instead of then, oh, they don't do this, they don't do it. They'll constantly say, they're still learning. They're, they're still learning. And so that's something that we constantly say to one another so that we know. I don't know everything. Mm-hmm. And they don't know everything. And we all learn it together. Um we are outside most of the time. We just completed a thousand hours outside. Um, that was huge for us. <laughs> That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Um, we, uh, we, I just wanted things to be different. I came from an academic uh, centered uh, mindset. I went to school to be a teacher, K through 12. Uh, mm-hmm. It was through problems with my own son that I realized that the issue is not the school level, it's at the pre-K level. And that rearranged my thinking and then I wanted to have my own daycare. And once I got into the daycare, because of the mindset, I ran it like school. Yeah, We had charts and boards and stickers and... Uh, you know, we did the circle time and um, everything. There were themes of the week and colors of the week. And I had a mentor who I loved. I loved her philosophy. And she asked me to come visit. And she very gently was like, you know, you don't need that board. Or, you know, you don't need that chart. And just planted that little seed there. Mm. And we started doing mashups. She stayed very close to me at the time. And so our daycares would get together, have magic shows, things like that. And when I went into her space, I was blown away. The kids were like sitting up on tables and, and coloring and under desk. And just like, it felt like home, very warm, very natural. And I was like, I want that. And then I went about the business of making my space that way. And little by little, I just undid everything that I had been taught to do until I made it here where I am right now. And that took about five years. Okay. So it's been like a five-year journey for you. Yeah. And you just went little by little. You didn't like make huge changes all at once. No, I'm a a very uh, small detail girl and I move in inches. And so it's like, if this is going to work and it's going to be, you know, the long game, then I have to do it very slowly until it becomes a way of life. And that's how I did it. Oh, that's really neat. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it can be done little by little. Little by little. And I think that that's where a lot of people become, they get so overwhelmed with play-based learning because there's so much, once you find it and you're like, Oh, it clicks. And you're like, Oh my gosh, like, what am I, what have I been doing with these children for the last however many years? And then you just, you feel like you want to make all of the changes right now because you Mm -hmm. like want to give them the best childhood ever and the most developmentally Mm -hmm. appropriate place. 
for that childhood. And I think that that's where it becomes super overwhelming for many early childhood educators because you don't know what to do first and then you don't know what to do next. And you just want to make a whole Mm -hmm. bunch of changes because you feel like, like, at least that was my experience. I felt like I was, if I didn't do it all, like, right, like how all the other play people were doing it, I felt like Mm -hmm. I was robbing them of Mm-hmm. childhood the experience though mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. and so it, like, it was really, mm-hmm. that's it was really stressful for me at first mm-hmm. when I first started learning all about play so mm-hmm. using what you know about going slowly like what how did you kind of break through that like because you were you knew that play is the way but you were just making slow incremental changes how did you how was your mindset through all of that well I'm very intuitive and so my approach was based on what I felt Mm -hmm. um again I started with my son and what I saw he was not receiving in his daycare And, and so when I finally got to the point um where I started my own daycare he was already in school by then. I, I based it off of how I wanted my children to be treated. Mm. And then I started to just remove the things that I thought were too heavy on a kid. And I'm like, mm, I like, I, I like being able to share space with children every day. I'm not a fan of the timeouts and the, uh, you know, things like that. That, that seems too heavy for a child. And so I just started to remove little things. And then I would describe my way as playful. We always had um, centers, but you could choose to move around in those centers. Mm -hmm. Uh, We had circle time. Circle time, I think, was probably the most rigid I was. Everybody sat down at once and had story time. And we went over the days of the week and everything like that. Everything else, you kind of flex between it. And... But little by little, it didn't feel right. The more that I learned about the play-based approach, the more that I felt, why am I doing this? Is this for me or is it for, for them? Mm-hmm. And once I realized it wasn't serving them, I just pulled it out, pulled it out. And then the last things to go were the things that my mindset set was stuck on. Oh, you need bright colors. Kids love bright colors. Who said this? I never had one kid come to me and be like, I love the primary colors. Yeah. Like, <laughs> so, <laughs> so once I let go of that, I rolled up my last little brightly colored alphabet rug, put it in my garage. And that was the last of it. Oh my goodness. So very, very, very slowly. But it, I always kept that is that you do what feels right to you. If you're talking to a child, play it back in your head. If my husband came and said this to me, how would I feel? If mm. my friend came and said this to me, how would I feel? And then change it based on your response. I love that. So tell me how it feels now. How does, what's the feeling that you get now versus when you were more teacher-directed adult directed five years ago I legit never have a day when I'm like oh man it's Monday I gotta do this again 
the days flow. Every day feels like a weekend. I remember thinking, I wish work could be like this, like when I'm hanging out with my kids Mm -hmm. and just like, it always feels like a weekend with my kids, even though I did not have any of these babies. So it's very, very natural. Yeah. It feels like home. Oh, and that's what it's, that's what it should feel like. Yeah. However, it should not be work with children. Home might have a different meaning to some people, but your home. Right. It should feel the safety of home, the the safe, a safe home. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I always described it as magic. Yeah. Like. Oh, I love that. It just felt like magic. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. one of my favorite things to do when I was teaching still full-time in my program is just sit and watch. I loved to just watch children in play. It just got me so on fire about like Mm -hmm. play and, and all of the things that we learn through play and like the, the, the amount of things that we would like the general population would describe as behavior issues. Like they dissipated Mm -hmm. because children have so much control over how they spend their time themselves when we can yeah. pick how we spend our time we're so much happier right yeah yeah everyone everyone yeah. is so much happier <laughs> so yes. yeah and I don't know again it's so easy and so hard if we just relinquish control and allow them to be themselves and you be yourself I'm not trying to be all knowing all doing Mm-hmm. you know I'm thinking I'm not trying to do that and so I don't feel the stress of it yeah. I can be a better person for them yeah mm-hmm. mm. okay so a, a few takeaways that I took um mm-hmm. is that mindset is everything it is um mm-hmm. I love that you said you need to listen or not listen <laughs> and I think that the one of the best pieces of advice for anybody who's trying to slowly work towards a or quickly work towards a play-based atmosphere environment in your program Mm -hmm. is to start just removing the heavy start removing the heavy things that are heavy for the Mm -hmm. children Mm -hmm. and just do that one by one I think that is like words of wisdom and that's pure gold so thank you those are great takeaways. Is there anything Thank else you. you want to add or how can people connect with you if they want to learn more from you? You can always connect with me um, at Kid Crew Adventures on Instagram. That's basically where I live in the social media space. Um, I'm on Facebook under Kisa Marks, but it's a copy and paste thing. I just, okay. yeah. Everything I put on Kid Crew. Yeah, my life is not that interesting. So <laughs> just... <laughs> the kids are what you know the, the philosophy is but not what I do so yeah uh it's the same over there and um I think it's trust yourself trust yourself to know what's right and wrong and what's wrong and trust children listen to them just like you would want to listen to yourself listen to what they're saying they'll show you the way yeah 
the behavior is communication. And so if they're behaving in a way that has you stressed, maybe you need to change what's going on in your environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's really it. Trust oh. yourself, trust them. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for joining me for the podcast, Kisa. You take care. Thank you for having me. You too. Hey, I need you to do me a huge, 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 huge favor. If you liked listening and you want to be able to hear more, can you please go on to iTunes and leave me a five-star review? I would so appreciate it. And then connect with me on Instagram. It's learning.wild. We'll see you around.